0: She was on the sixteen. On the sixteen. I loved her so but she was 16, too young to fall in love and I was too
1: young. Okay, welcome to, fall. to episode sixteen of Ask Alex on the OneOuter.com podcast with me, Barry Chalmers and Alex Assassinato Fitzgerald. Episode 16, Alex, we're we're getting through
0: these. You said 16 like it was a special number, and I was like, is that significant somehow? But yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, 16, we're getting through these. We're putting in work. And yeah, ha- thanks for having me on on your site again, Barry. It's all good fun.
1: Yeah, it's good. I mean, um, someone got in touch with me uh, the other day, and actually Alan Boston was tweeting me again um, saying when are we going to do you know part two and stuff like that he's keen to get on but a lot the responses from listeners and stuff like that but the numbers a lot of people like this format they can sort of essentially use you you know as a free uh source where they can ask literally anything uh, send in the question and you get it answered so as i say, i don't know many other places where you can do that with someone who's so big you know in the in the coaching scene as you and has the the level of students and stuff as yourself so but yeah i will get some more guests on and stuff in the future and keep the ask alex thing going as well um so we'll definitely get alan boston on again i think he'd be good fun and stuff he's He's already gone crazy. He has to go to the Rio this year and play the. He's playing senior stud, I think he said. <laughs> uh, and a, a few of the other stud events. I think he said he's playing
0: the main event
1: as well. I can't remember. Um, that guy. But... That
0: guy seems like a old twenty-seven-year-old to me. So that's kind of weird. He's in the seniors' events.
1: <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like
0: it, it, he just seems way too sharp. You know what I yeah. mean? I guess that's the thing. Like if you really enjoy what you do and it's a real like mental. Technical thing, you like age much slower. You know what I mean?
1: Definitely, definitely. I mean, I don't know how old Alan is. He must be late fifties. You
0: would have like if you told me seniors event Alan Boss, I'd be like, get him the fuck out of here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he's <laughs> like forty two max. Like, and I mean, like I'm not uh-huh. even trying to kiss his ass. I don't even really know him that well. It'd be, I'd really like to hear that part too. I mean, that guy. I mean, that that guy can lay it down, man. Like, he has interesting stories, and he can he can talk. A lot of guys are, like, really talented, but they can't talk. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You can even make yeah. the point, my only talent is I can talk. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but anyway, anyway. Yeah, moving on. Yeah,
1: I thought I thought the the podcast I did with Alan, and if people haven't uh, listened to that, definitely go on to com and search in the podcast and download that. Alan Boston one, because it is, like Alex says, he has a lot to say, you know, about various subjects, very clued up guy, very, very good, you know, outspoken, but very intelligent, really cool.
0: When I heard in, I only hear bits and pieces, because I'm always doing hundreds of other things, but I always got, I always got noise in my house, because like, I don't know, I'm really... I don't know i'm an edgy person i always need something going on but when i heard you guys talking i felt like i was in the back of an old card room listening to the old grinders talk about how you know what i mean i was like man this is a cool feeling man this is that's that classic feel you know and i mean it's cool you get that guy on and i can tell you're a real like fan connoisseur of like poker because you a lot of people get like jungle man on and uh, Phil Hellmuth on like would, wouldn't necessarily think to talk to Alan Boston, you know what I mean? So that was a yeah. that was a cool way to diversify it.
1: Yeah. To be fair, it was when I was more
0: interested in poker. I mean, I fucking hate it now. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's diff- it's a difficult way to make money, you know what I mean? There's, I got, I get a lot of guys contacting me, man, and they're, you know, I want to get into the coaching side because I just don't like playing anymore, I, you know, and. You gotta really love playing it if you're only gonna play it. I'm, i I really enjoy playing now because it's not all I do, and I think that's more accurately what you're doing. You're focusing on your bread and butter bets with your yeah. business, and then when you do play poker, it's kind of enjoyable now, right? When you play live yeah, I, or something.
1: That, yeah, yeah, that's it. I mean, I've not even I've not even played live in oh, a long time, you know. But uh, I do. I just think that the the key thing for me was knowing that I wasn't going to put. I was never going to put the hours in studying, you know, enough right. to be good enough to make a proper living at it and a proper go at it. I just, there was more things and other things I, w- I would rather do with my time. And that was just a personal and that's thing. that's the you big know.
0: thing, yeah. And I mean, there's no shame in that. And you can always, maybe in five years, poker will be better for you. You know, like I wasn't mature enough when I was nineteen to play poker for a living. Like I realize that now, you got to enjoy the process because this game takes forever. I mean, when you go when you play chess in the park, you're not doing it to make money. You just want to get a little better each day. And if you don't have that, well, I mean, yeah, it's going to be really hard to progress. And if you have, I know you have that drive in another business. So why would you squander that? You know, and honestly, a business that's probably quite a bit more profitable right now than poker especially if you're focusing on hold'em because yeah. that's a very saturated market but there's you know people need to learn the other games i realized that in scoop i was like wow we don't know anything about anything besides hold'em pot and omaha people know a lot about but yeah like deuce to seven uh and all that i was like wow nobody knows anything in yeah. it was. I studied that game for 15 minutes. I felt like I had an edge on like 90% of players, <laughs> just knowing a couple basic math things. And it was. Just like, they, they were like, I don't. I, this is the thing in like deuce to seven no limit. If a guy draws one card, even if he's drawing to, uh, even if he's drawing to a perfect deuce to seven, right? You with a jack, uh, a jack in your hand, like a jack high you are a 55% favorite over that hand. But I broke the 10 after he drew one. It was like, what? (laughs) Like, Man, you just threw away equity. But, yeah, anyway, moving on. I'm babbling already. Well, well, Scoop, that takes us on. uh, Yeah, I'm a Um, pro. You see that segue?
1: Yeah. We'll we'll talk about your offer for your Scoop videos in a bit, but just tell us how Scoop went for you.
0: Oh, it was good. It was profitable. It wasn't, like, supremely profitable. I mean... Uh, I made like twenty, thirty thousand. I don't know. Probably not. Probably closer to twenty than thirty. I haven't. I'll be honest with you. I haven't done the math. But yeah, it was a, uh, it was a good time. I, I final tabled uh, the five hundred rebuy action hour scoop, which was a blast. I've never. I'm not sure I've ever had more fun playing an online tournament. That was just deep stacks and flops turns and rivers and a lot of manipulating the statistics and like pushing on people and then until they couldn't take it anymore but we were on the final table bubble for i think two hours and it was, there was one guy at my table with uh, a brazilian kid i can't remember the name of but he played really well like one of the he played better than i was kicking people's asses left and right with a lot of things i've been developing in the lab and he just didn't fall for any of my shit that could have been he picked up a bunch of hands that could have been he just had a lot of chips and lol I'm Brazilian I'm not folding full, to this asshole named Assassinato. but most likely I think he just picked up on a few things but yeah he uh, uh, we were on that final table bubble for like two hours and he just had a huge stack and everybody else had a short stack and nobody was busting and it was like really tough but it was one of those few tournaments I felt really good about finishing fourth and booking like a fifty three k score I took fifteenth at the same time in the fifty r action hour uh scoop, which was kind of disappointing because I knew it would be a big ass deal if I final tabled both and uh i have played more six max hands than anything else in my life just uh it, having to pay my bills when I was on the ePT I played a like a lot of one two up to five ten uh cash six max like twelve tabling and I really felt like God, I can grind this tournament, but I lost a couple big flips to some German kid with a Super Mario icon. This is how I remember things. I <laughs> nationality icon, nothing else. Like that's uh, not really good with names anymore. Yeah. but that that might be the five years of smoking weed every day. But <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, yeah, yeah, and you know those weren't really good. I'm in cash this Super Tuesday, and I cashed like one of the 215s, and I cashed like one of the lows, but. That was pretty uh, – I cashed in less tournaments than I normally do in a scoop, but I had two really deep runs and one of them. The deepest run was in a, in a high six tournament. It was a 50K-plus score. That, that made for a profitable – individually, I had a profitable scoop. My last WSOP was profitable, my last scoop was profitable, and my last PCA was profitable. So I'm feeling really good about my game right now heading into the series. I'm really psyched. Uh, when I show up at the ass end of it and play two events. I'm really psyched for that.
1: <laughs> so talk talk about your uh, scoop
0: offer video. I mean, ah, I, thank I, you, I, Barry. I, thank you, good sir. Well, let, let, why don't I tell know. you? Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, there's a bit of a delay today, so I'm going to talk over you more than usual, which might. sorry about that. But no, uh, the scoop deal for all of you interested, if you've ever watched my Pocket Fives training videos, those are kind of – I I – I have a farm league. I record most of my videos live and I keep notes for myself because I want to watch them later and see how I'm playing later because I'm a geek who does those kind of things instead of playing on Skype or any of the other things or instant messaging on forums. I would rather just watch and try to figure things out. That's a way to make you all feel bad about how hard of a worker I am. But no, I am a huge geek and I like to watch my videos. And... I, it finally occurred to me I need to start selling these. And uh, I recorded my entire scoop, and instead of just keeping notes like I'm betting for this, this, and this reason, I I really kind of kept a running commentary through the whole thing. And it's 89 videos for $50, and I think most of the videos are 50 minutes long. So I think that's uh, – actually, it went over 100 hours because I think one of those videos is like eight. No, 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 no. It's probably like 90. So it's 90 hours for $50. If you're part of Pocar, the staking group, they just paid to get some of those videos on their site. So maybe you don't need to pick them up. But everybody else, it's an instant download. You get live video of the entire scoop run. And you get to hear, you know, it's a 1,200 hand, hand history. I'm going to do something on Pocket Fives. Like for Pocket Fives, I really try to pack in the content. Because those people have been taking care of me since 2007. So I give them really good videos and really try to maximize the concepts I want you to get. But if you want to for 50 bucks more, see the entire tournament, you can get it. And you can watch like my thought process. you can see how I handle bad beats. and there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of poker talk and there's a lot of me solving the very simple hands. It's kind of like watching the highlight film the WSOP highlights versus watching every single hand. And uh, I, I I really thought this was a really, I don't want to say cultural experiment because it sounds really narcissistic and highfalutin and blowhardy, but I really wanted to record like a, somebody's mind state through an entire scoop. And obviously I don't have access to anybody else's mind. So it was really interesting to see like how I was dealing with tilt, what I was talking about. And it was kind of, If you enjoy, like, listening to us on the radio, it's me talking about pretty much everything I can think of because there are some dull moments in the other days when you see me, like, four tabling, two fifteens and stuff like that. And, you know, talking about a lot of different concepts, I answered a ton of questions. I asked a bunch of people, send me in any poker question you have, I'll respond to it. And then, yeah, there's every hand of the scoop runs, every hand of the 10Ks, the 2Ks. I played a bunch of 2Ks, a bunch of 1Ks, and I played all the lows. A lot of people were worried I'd only play the high-stakes stuff. I played the low-stakes stuff, too, because it was pretty fun. It was good fun. I really love playing the scoop and haven't had one negative review so far. Everybody and a lot of people have picked them up. Everybody who's bought them has sent an email saying, like, wow, this was such a great value. We did have a few problems with the server, but I, f- I figured that out, thank God. And uh, I moved to a new, way faster server, which works really well. But yeah, all you need to do to get a hold of these videos is mail me, send me money, uh, send me $50 at uh, Assassinato, location Costa Rica, icon. Uh, typical white guy, Japanese symbol in white with a black guy, uh, with black guy background, uh, black background on Poker Stars. The Assassinato City S Panda on Full Tilt. Uh, AlexFitzgerald88 at gmail.com for Bank of America or PayPal. Fitzgerald underscore Alex at yahoo.com on Skrill. And I think that's it. And uh, all you have to do is send the money get your confirmation email, send it to us at assassinato coaching at gmail gmail dot com. Most people get their videos within three hours. <coughs> and you get to watch a high stakes player play an entire scoop and a profitable scoop and see what it takes. And I've heard the I've heard the action hour scoops are batshit, crazy, and really fun to watch, which wasn't my intention. But yeah, it was uh it was definitely an insane tournament, and it was a blast to play. So I imagine it's pretty fun to watch. Anyways, that's my very long advertisement. Thank you very much, Barry. I'll be gone now. Anyway, <laughs> that was fun. Well, good, good episode. Well,
1: yeah, I'll, I'll just say like, yeah, I'm, you know, ninety close to ninety videos for fifty dollars. I mean, you know that that is just a bargain. So I think listeners should definitely check that out. In fact, don't even check out, just send the $50 and yeah. get those videos. I mean, it's less than a dollar a video, you know. It's here, like, you can't,
0: you can't beat that. Here, here's the thing, Barry. I was like, I, I I kind of like, I just wanted to set a price that like anybody could pay because I was like, well, seriously, I can't do this any, I can't really do anything to copyright, protect this that effectively, right? So yeah. you're kind of just suggesting a price and relying on people's generosity. And I want to send a big thank you out to every one of my fans, because you guys are awesome. Like, none of you guys stole it. You guys, out of the kind And I know you guys could have stolen it. I know you guys could have, like, gotten 20 people together and pitched in, and, like, done it. And I'm sure some of you did, assholes. But (laughs) as far as I can tell, most of you guys just bought it. And I really appreciate that, man. That was really cool. And you guys, like... You know the reason we get to do this fun stuff and do the podcast and help you guys out for free is because when I do ask you guys to pay for it you guys do you guys come out and drove so much love thank you so much you know the only reason the lights are on the only reason you know is it, it, it's really helpful for my family and it's really it, it it's so nice man to not just be relying on poker you know what I mean to be able to pay all the bills because uh, your people help you so much, you know what I mean? I just hope I can see you guys at some Scoop Final Tables next year with what I teach you in these videos. Anyways, moving on. Definitely.
1: Okay, so um, let's go for questions now. And we'll start with the first one. It's from Sean Connor, and that is... I'd awesome like to name, ask, but sorry. Yeah, anyway. I know. I, I was thinking that it's like Sean Connor is Terminator, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. man, I was yeah. like, damn, <laughs> like
0: man, I want one yeah. of those cool names. All right, yeah. go ahead.
1: Uh, I'd like to ask Alex what HUD stats does he think are most important to look out for when playing micro and low states dash games. Oh, that's as a, a really player good. at this level, it's he, he's not finished yet. Alex, let me just uh, get the rest. <laughs> Uh, as a player at this level, it's easy to get overwhelmed by the sheer amount of numbers a program like Poker Tracker gives you. Love the podcast, and long may it continue. Thanks. Now he's finished. All right, all right, all right. Yeah, sorry,
0: sorry. Uh, <clears throat> the most important statistics for that those cash games, well, my, uh, my understanding now is 25NL and 50NL is full of a bunch of regs from uh, countries where the dollar is worth quite a bit, which I think is really cool and good for poker, you know what I mean? It's really cool that kids in Romania can make, like, a really good capitalistic meritocracy life outside of what they grew up in. But, no, it's, like, it's really cool they can do that, but a lot of them have to play more tables than anything, right? So the most likely guys you're going to have in these 25-NL, 50-NL tables, uh, you're going to get some fish... And you want to identify them, but they're pretty easy to identify and play against. Just don't bluff against the guy who's running 42-9. And, you know, value bet like third pair. Uh, you know. And you can scale back your bets. Like, okay, I want to play a medium-sized pot with this third pair top kicker, but not a huge pot. So you can bet like one-third pot, one-third pot, one-third pot. Because they're only going to raise if they have it. But the guys you can really pick money off of, and a lot of people don't move up from these stakes because they don't try to pick money off of this, your job is to take advantage of the regs. Because the regs are playing too many tables, and the pots they're going to lose against you, they're probably not going to pay attention right away. You know, They're probably not going to notice, especially if you don't go out of your way to like smash them every single time. So try to play like four or less tables than them. They're playing 16, you play 12. They play 12, you play 8. Because you're going to be focusing more. The things you want to look for is raise first and continuation bet. This is where you can set up a lot of. Uh, this is where you can set up a lot of post flop steals. A lot of guys won't know what you're doing if you check raise the flop, but they don't have time to think about it, so they just fold. So if a guy's raising like twenty, twenty five percent of the time from a position, and his c bet is like eighty percent, you can get away with a lot of check raise bluffs with like backdoor flush draws and backdoor straight draws hands you'd normally have to check fold, and. The other thing you want to be looking for is this four bet stat. Actually, I should have started with this. The four bet statistic is really important because a lot of guys don't have a four bet game. Uh, you can kind of get away in those games with raise folding, raise c betting, and making a little bit amount. Of money, especially if you're playing on, like, eye poker or something like that, where most people are living off of the rakeback, you're going to find a lot of guys like this. So what you want to do is not, like, 3-bet and turn it into a pissing for distance war and try to pick up the dollar that's there. You want a 3-bet small enough that they're just, they're not really thinking 4-bet because that's not really their game. A low 4-bet is something, like, below, like, 12%. A high 4-bet is, like, 15% or higher. So, to be safe, you kind of want to see a 4-bet that's like 9% or lower. If you see something like that, you've got to start 3-betting a lot more in your hands for value. This keeps the pot in your lead, not multi-way, so there's not people calling behind you, and now you have to hit the board or fold. This puts the, uh, this, uh, this puts the pot firmly in your control. It's the fastest, cheapest way to find out if he has a real hand, because we know he only four bets with a real hand. And if he flats you, you know that's a pretty mediocre flatting range, and that's pretty easy to play accordingly. After that, you need to start looking at the full to see bet statistics. If you have to find where his weakness is, usually these guys become exceedingly honest on one of two streets. It's either the flop or the turn. There's not many guys who call flop, call turn, fold river that often. Usually by that point, they're calling all the way. So if a guy's... Honest on the turn, you'll normally see a folded c-bet of like 60, 65 on the turn. But on the flop, it's only like 30, okay? If he's honest on the flop, which is a lot of these guys, this is wonderful because you three-bet, he calls, you know he has a mediocre range. His folded c-bet is 60, 65% or higher. You see bet and if he has nothing, he folds, and he's going to have nothing most of the time. And if he has something, he plays back at you, and you just let it go. And this is a really profitable bet because your 3-bet was very smallly profitable, and uh, your C-bet usually is about half the size of the pie. It needs to work about 33% of the time, and the guy's folding like 55%, 60% of the time. So the hands you want to be 3-betting, though, are right below your flatting range. And what I mean by that is not hands that can be easily dominated. Maybe, maybe you'd flat an ace-10, but like ace-9 is right below your flatting range. That's not really a good hand to 3-bet. But if you would flat like 9-8 suited, great 3-bet bluffing hands become like 9-7 suited, 9-6 suited, 8-6 suited, 8-5 suited, something in another ballpark. And if your uh, flattening range was like king 10 of diamonds, like king 9 of diamonds can now become your 3-betting hand. And this adds a lot of, uh, eventually they kind of don't, they know they don't really have a feel for you. But once you start seeing a guy, like, getting testy, just lay off of him. Even, like, change the color on your note or something and just show, like, okay, this reg is, like, ready to get into a pissing for distance war with me. Then go back to playing tag. And uh, the other thing to look for is the check raise statistic because there's a lot of regs that, like, check raise because it doesn't really require much and you can get away with it at 25 and 50 NL but not at higher stakes. If you see a check raise that's 20% or higher – In a fold the seabed of 30%, you don't have a hand. You're not missing the board only 30% of the time. You're missing the board about 65% of the time. So if a guy's only folding about half of those times, that means the other half of the times he's doing something with that. That's typically found in the check raise. If the check raise is higher than 20%, you don't have a hand good enough to check raise blow up the pot one time out of five. That's probably a bunch of bullshit. So you've got to start taking notes on. If you see him in other hands, right, are like you play a pot with him and he check raises a certain board and then check gives up on that board. You got to make a mark. King, okay, King of Diamonds, Three of Spades, Three of Diamonds. He check raises this board. He likes to check raise these boards. You figure out what boards he likes to check raise bluffs and then you start exploiting them. And then when you finally do have a hand in these pots, you got to bet small and induce the check raise and call down. And yeah, it turns into a big game of rock paper scissors. Is what I'm trying to say. And you're always trying to outguess the guy. Was. And I think that's about it. That'll get you really far in that stuff. And always pay attention. Check out my article, You Need Two Continuation Bet Statistics, uh, on Bluff. or I think it's called Player Best is uh, the other title for it. Look that up, and it'll talk to you about, like, gauging... I see a lot of people lose bets that way. Like a guy C bets like 80% of the time and double barrels 60% of the time. The nut worst of way to play against this guy is to call flop, fold turn. That's the bet. that's exactly what he's hoping you do. Because then you throw money in then you fold and you have no chance to win. If you folded to the flop, that's great. The flop bet or if you called flop, call turn, that's great because he's betting the same range. The middle option is what's going to maximize your losses. There's a really easy way to find out if he's that type of player. Just put flop C-bet and turn C-bet on your HUD. But I can't tell you how many guys I see playing like really high stakes cash who have turned C-bet only on their pop-up HUD and they don't check it enough. And yeah, combining that with the full to flop C-bet statistics and check raise will really help you out.
1: Well I think that covers that one. That was a lot of information there. Yeah, you're gonna have to replay time. that
0: one. That's uh Yeah. That was a, that was a challenge. He was like, How do you play poker? I was like, Let me try, young man. Yeah. <laughs> let, me, let me try. Yeah.
1: That's it. So Sean Connor, we hope that uh you know
0: that helped you uh terminate the other players. Yeah man. Hey, go. hey, <laughs> and another thing, man, another thing go through this, replay this, get out a piece of paper and write one thing at a time and every day just focus on one thing don't try to do all this shit at once man, you know (laughs) you're just going to get all frustrated and play a bunch of big pots you don't know how to play, take it one thing at a time
1: there you you go, sage sage advice Okay, uh, the next question um, I was going to sort these out but I think we just read them through as they came in, I think that's the best way to do it in case we, you know, think it with time This one's from Alistair. Uh, Another year passes where I'm not going to get to Vegas for the WSOP. Any advice on how I can start planning now for 2015 and
0: actually get there? Lol. Well, (laughs) just, just stay in your house. Now, here, you can simulate Vegas at your home. Just turn your thermostat up to 100 degrees for 15 minutes and then pretend you're entering a casino, so then put down the AC to like sub zero. Get a bunch of annoying people, the stupidest Americans you can find, and get a slot machine program on your computer and just have it hitting the bells constantly for 20 hours a day and cover up all your windows and have no sunlight. You'll get the Vegas experience, I promise. Oh, and uh, induce a lot of nosebleeds with humidifiers or the lack thereof, Uh, and then you'll be fine. No, I mean, what you want to do, I mean, I know Vegas is supposed to be the mecca of poker, but the great thing about poker is you can play it anywhere. You can play, I got my start playing on fishing boats, you know? It's like, it's a, it, it, I know it's like something you want to see, but you can, if you want to do it, save up a couple, where's he from? Where's he from? Do you know? And
1: it, doesn't, it doesn't say, I don't have anything there, ah. just Alistair's the name I've got.
0: Alistair. Alistair, it sounds, sounds British. Yeah, uh, yeah.
1: I don't know about America. I think it's British. I assume Britain.
0: Yeah, I was I was about to say, if he's American, he's just got to, like, buy a pickup Pinto and, you know, haul it out there. But, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you know, try it. But, yeah, I mean, I mean, there's, I mean what, the option you could go with is, like, just going to the WSOP Europe. You know what I mean? And then mm-hmm. uh, the other thing is, but if you want to get there, you got to a lot of, a lot of the people that get to go out there work a real job until they can until they can make enough money from poker and i can tell you i never i have the lowest non-existent self-esteem you can imagine i never thought i'd get to play the wsop and i think that's why i got to play it from 21 is because i never really planned for it i focused really hard on 50nl which is why i could give you guys that 20 minute explanation on it and then I really focused on the crap I could do every day. And, you know, I mean, it, it sounds really cutthroat, but, like, one of those things you can do is uh, you can work 16 hours a day. You know, there's no law that says you can't do that if you're young and single. If you're not young and single, you've got to start saving every month. You've got to make a budget, and you've got to go, hey, man, I'm going to pick up some extra shifts at my job, you know, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save up this much per month. And you've got to ask yourself, what would be a really fulfilling Las Vegas experience for me? Read all the travel guides and focus on just one or two or three things you really want to do. And if you want to play one tournament, don't expect to win anything from it. And budget for it. And save for it every month. I'm assuming you waited until three months before and then went, damn it, I'm not going to go to Vegas again. And it's, uh, if that's a goal of yours, there's nothing wrong with that. But it's uh, you you... I, most guys have a real job and if you don't have a real job and you play poker for a living, well, you got you to get on your hustle. You know what I mean? And I would tell most of the guys who play poker for a living, man, like $3,000, $4,000, whatever it costs to get out there and play like one event, that's a fucking lot of money.
1: Yeah. You know what I mean?
0: Especially when you're coming up in like 100 NL, that's 40 fucking buy-ins. That's like, that's like a month of work, you know what I mean? If it, if you're good, too, you know? But yeah, get on that rake back, see how many tables you can play, work on your focus, and take every little edge you can get, you know? I I, I love drinking and smoking weed. I don't do either anymore because I got to be clear-minded in the morning to maintain my business and my grind, you know? And that's one of the ways you can pick up the pace a little and make money when i wanted to get established in the poker industry and i didn't have the talent i worked well first i went commercial fishing and damn near killed myself because in two months you could make more money than a lot of kids make in six months and uh the next thing i did is i took a security job and then when i came home i played poker like eight six to ten hours a night so i was playing 14 to 18 i was working 14 to 18 hours a day i had no life i mean it's not fun but that's how i got to go to vegas every year since i was 21 years old it's just a lot of hustle it's a lot of hustle and you got to love the process and the grind and uh and there's no shame in having a real job and saving your money you know what i mean you can pick up some extra shifts and have a couple hundred dollars every month and then you'll be most of the way there near the end of the year, and you'll have a much easier time coming up with, you know, maybe $800 as opposed to $3,800, and uh, you pick up some extra shifts, and then it means something to you, you're really going to probably enjoy that experience a lot more, because you really worked hard for it, and it didn't just come together magically, yeah, that was a, that's a question I didn't think I'd get asked, I didn't have a great one for that one, Barry. Yeah, I
1: would I would say, like, I mean, I, the first time, I, I've been to Vegas twice, The only once during the WSOP, and that was two years ago. And I was playing the 180 mans at the time, you know, grinding them out like crazy every day. And what I did is I just actually committed to it. I said, right, I'm definitely going, you know, next year. And as soon as the sort of flights came up, I looked and sort of fished around for the cheapest flight. And then I just bought the flight for like, I think it was like five or six hundred pounds. Nice. Um, I just like bought that, and that was me sort of committed, you know. So, like, right, that's that done. I know I'm going. And that alone, like, motivated me to then, and what I started doing is then just taking money each uh, sort of week, I think I did it, off my, you know, my, my bankroll. Uh, but on the volume, I was grinding. So like my ROI, you know, was like fifteen to twenty percent on the the one eighty man. So if I was playing a hundred a day, etc., I could take out, and I would take a percentage of it, like as a wage, and uh, put it into the like the Vegas fund. And it sounds stupid, but I actually got one of these. I don't know if you've heard it. they're called Terra Monday pots.
0: No, these, what's
1: that? They're they're these like piggy bank savings things <laughs> that you. The only way you can open them is literally if you smash the pot. Um, so I started putting, you know, pound coins, and then if I came into, if I went to the casino, and played some live games, and you know had a good wee, when I would take like maybe twenty, thirty pounds and stuff it in, and I saved, you know, a ton of money like that, and I would never break it open because I knew it was Vegas, etc. And I managed to just, you know, save and like you said, it takes a while if you want to do it, but. The time's passing anyway, so you may as well do it if you really want to go.
0: That is and, a really badass you know, way to do it, i got to say.
1: Like, before you know it, uh, you you know you sort of go. And I went, and I, I think I went out there after I paid my... I mean, I went for two weeks during the WSOP. I didn't play any of the the bracelet events. I played a couple of the the dailies, the WSOP dailies at the Rio... And I got a run in one and got like fifth in one for like a few thousand dollars and then, you know, a final table the Caesars Palace and some other uh, tournament some, uh Where was it? It wasn't the Venetian. Uh, the, the the Aria as well. And, you know, I came back with like I think I after I got the holiday essentially for free from, alright, I ran really good and whatever, but you know, like a few thousand dollars in profit and plus the holiday cost nothing so I got all that money back and I really enjoyed it, but I mean, I again going back to the Alan Boston podcast, I spoke about my Vegas trip and I wrote a blog on it, and it was it wasn't all that for, and that's just a personal thing for me. Uh, and at that time, I was really into poker. You know, a couple of years ago, right into it, really wanting to do it. This is what I wanted to do in my head. I thought I did, and um, I went out there, and it was a bit of a, a damp square. It wasn't everything. It's not the mecca I thought. Put it that yeah, way, I and. It's not all glitz and glamour, and when you're walking through the Rio, I mean the Rio is a bit fucking run down and a bit out, you know, outdated now, and it doesn't look as good as it did on the TV. And yeah, it's cool. You're walking through the hall and you see like, oh, there's Barry Greenstein what past, or there's Phil Ivy and stuff like that. But um yeah, I think it'd be a disappointment if you go out there on a total budget. Then and like you say, if you've got family and stuff like that, I think it's it's not a a great thing. That you could play online, like you say, all right. If it's the live experience, go and play a big event in the UK. Poker stars run the, you know the I think they're more, I think there's seven hundred and fifty buy-ins now. Games, you know, but yeah, yeah. It's a it's a it's a big event. It's in your country, so you can drive there or get a cheap train, and you you get kind of the same. But I mean, Vegas is a great place to go. You know, have a blast and stuff, but. The WSOP, I don't think it is all that. Um, and uh, to be fair, like even when I speak with some poker friends, that I don't hear that many of them really have a a desire to go to the WSOP. I think I think there's a difference between going to Vegas and the WSOP and going to the Vegas and playing the main event. You know? Yeah, yeah, there you go. The, the main event's probably a dream for a lot of people. And you're talking straight away unless you're sat at like 10k in, which is completely you know without with a lot of people's bankrolls and even life rolls, you know. But um, I think to go, you can do Vegas on a kind of, you know, if there's a couple of you go, you split the hotel room, you get a cheap flight, and you can eat cheap in Vegas. You know, all right, you'll, you'll be eating shit most of the time. <laughs> um, but it's cheap. And even if you go to some of the, like, big buffets and stuff like that, and, like, the Hotel Bellagio, you know, $30, it's good. It's decent food, you know, yeah, you're going to get. Yeah, no, that's true, that's so, true um you can do it like as a holiday you know make it your that's your holiday for the year or something and do that and play it like play all the little two you know the hundred dollar two hundred dollars because that like daily one i played like 235 i think or something to buy and it got like i think there was 500 players in it or something or 400 you know there's there's a lot of players in these daily events. I mean you won one last year, didn't you? Alex?
0: Yeah and it was uh, I mean it was 25k for a 200. yeah
1: live and I mean yeah.
0: it, and that was one of the smaller ones. I heard they got up to 70k at some point. Yeah. I was like, where the hell else I mean that's really what Vegas is amazing for is like where the hell else are you going to play like a $200 tournament? And like there's a, a live tournament and there's 70K for first. but uh, yeah. one thing you touched upon that was really important. Is like deal searching. You can set up like notifications that tell you when flights get really cheap, and you know you, you buy them. And then I didn't know anything about buying cheap flights, so I uh, I I, uh, I read a section in the Four Hour Work Week that had a lot of really good tips about when they drop prices and when tickets become available and stuff stuff like that. And that helped me get some really cheap tickets a lot of times. But yeah, being cheap is another way to do it. People don't believe, like, I stay at the Gold Coast every single year. This year's been a good year, so I got a place at Palm's Place. But, like, uh, then I wanted a kitchen because I just can't fucking stand Vegas food anymore. And, I mean, it's a competitive thing. Like, if it was just me, like, visiting Vegas, I don't care. You know what I mean? But if I'm, like, going to get sick during a 10K, that's not really good. But I love the Gold Coast. It's, like, $30 a night some nights. It's right yeah. across the street from the Rio. You can walk through a parking garage and get to the Rio so you even have shade. And it's like the breakfast buffet I think is like $15 and you get $5 off if you, uh, every night if you're staying there. So it's like a $10 breakfast buffet. And it's like it's really good, you know, and it's kind of like old Vegas, you know. Kinda, the place kind of looks like shit. <laughs> like everybody's like pretty nice, you know what I mean? It's like that old Vegas feel. Whereas, yeah. yeah, I kind of share your letdown with the real. First thing that thing, that, that thing's not on the strip, right? The real? Yeah, it's off the strip. Yeah, yeah. Strip. Everybody yeah. told me, like, we're going to have the WSOP at the strip when I was 19. I was like, that sounds cool. I've always seen the strip in movies. And I show up there, and I'm like, yo, what the fuck? Like, yeah. are you kidding me? Like, and it's a, you know, man, if you're going to go, like, get, get those deals, get a you know, search around. I, in my Palms Place thing, I got through, like, VDBL or something. It, it's like vacation rentals, right? So you're, like, renting it through a guy who owns a the place there. And it's like, you know, and it takes some work, you know what I mean? To be this cheap, it takes yeah. some work, you know. And I'm, But, like, I'm always trying to keep costs down because I don't like playing 10Ks plus 3Ks. You know what I mean with all the yeah. expenses and stuff like that, and that was something you hit on that's really good. You can get a cheap flight across, but if you wait till the last day, what would it have been like? A thousand four hundred pounds to get across. Yeah, yeah, right.
1: Yeah, it could have been anything. You know, like that.
0: It's, yeah, it's it's always a gamble as
1: well. You can it might I think it actually dropped a little bit as well, but you sort of work out what the. The average is charging anything under that's a good deal. That's the way I would go with it because they do fluctuate. I mean, even when you book it and get nearer the time, sometimes it can drop, and it all depends on the demand. And obviously, the old thing of if you can do it, leave on a like a Tuesday and come back on a Tuesday is always cheaper.
0: Yeah, I did the, I did that, I did that. <laughs> yeah. What was I gonna? There, there was one thing you brought up, like playing tournaments in Europe. I, I think this gents from Europe, the most fun I've ever had. Playing like and I love poker and I love playing the WSOP main like I love those big tournaments right they get they're what I live for right but the most fun I've ever had at a tournament I think was Budapest because it was like and it wasn't even that big of an event but my God it was such a cool city you know what I mean and like waking up every day and like running by the river and seeing all the old architecture and like talking with people. It was like, man, this is really fun. And then when he went to go play poker, they were, like, nice people. You know what I mean? It was, like, it was a good vibe, you know? And it, it was, like, that was... if This, this guy's going to... It's going to cost him, like, 4 k to get across the pond and, like, you know, pay all the expenses, and that's before he enters an event. He could play some pretty sizable, like, UK IPTs or I, yeah. IPTs. You know what I mean? And he could see, like... I think they have IPTs in, like, Venice and stuff like that. Or he could play in, like, Eastern Europe, or... and I mean, I would really advise you to, like, watch those, like... If you want to take, like, a poker trip, budget for it, but, like, watch Anthony Bourdain, read travel books, and find a place that's, like, wow, I would really like to see this place besides poker. And then book, like, a longer trip there. Really search the flights. Like, why grinded Lufthansa, or however you pronounce it, when I lived in Malta? Like, I could get a lot of flights around Europe for, like, $200. And, uh, you know, and then you can get, I mean, you can even stay at hostels that are really cheap if you really want to grind it out, and you can see a place there, and and I mean, I know a lot of people probably think that's preposterous, but that's how me and Fraz Jaka did it when we started. We would, like, live out of hostels in, like, Denmark and stuff, and we saved a lot on the bottom line by the end of the year, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it was, and it was a lot of fun, you know, especially a lot, I assume you're young, because 95% of the poker world is young. If you're a young person, like, Being at a hostel is really cool. You meet a lot of different people, and it's really cheap, and a lot of them are really safe and clean now. Obviously, you have to do a lot of research, and it takes some hours, but usually it comes back to you. It's, like, worth $50 an hour that you're saving all the research that you do, and sometimes a lot more. So go out there, do that. I think that was a great question for you, by the way, Barry. That was a fantastic answer, the way you did it.
1: Okay, next question is from Steven. Uh, hi, guys. um wondering if you can help me with this. I really find it difficult to study. I've been playing semi-professionally for two years. Uh, I mean well, but when it comes to studying, there is too many other things I would rather do. Uh, do you have any advice, or is this fine since I'm only semi-professional?
0: Adderall and lots of it. No. Um... <laughs> That's really bad. It'll make you impotent. I, uh, I, I took a lot of that stuff when I was a kid. But anyway, no, I mean, you have to make it, you have to make it fun. You know what I mean? You have to. Uh, I, one thing I do is, like, I have a really hard time studying myself, right? Like, I, I know that sounds like bullshit considering what I teach. But, I mean, it was a lot easier when I needed the money. Now it's like I'm retreading a ton of my stuff, you know, and a lot of it's just not fun. I mean, I don't like it either, like I don't like uh I don't like lifting weights like at all. I hate lifting weights, but if I don't lift weights with my uh lifestyle, my arms start looking like gumby, so like every once in a while I do some push ups and lift some weights. It's not something I enjoy, and I don't particularly. Enjoy studying poker sometimes, but I do it as a... Check out my article, Paying Poker Penance, on WPTMag.com. By the way, and if anybody wants to receive my articles, all my new articles, write us at assassinautocoaching at gmail.com, and I'll send them all to you. And I'll also send you a shit ton of advertisements that you'll have to ignore. No, not that many. I send a couple, but anyhow. They, uh, I, I talk about how a lot of times when I study, it's like I record errors I do throughout the day. And, like, if I'm playing poker and I'm having fun, but I make some plays that you know when you, like, really skirted a play or you were, like, fooling around with it, right? And yeah. I mark that hand, and if I go into the lab and, like, find out, okay, I didn't really make money at it, you know, there's no way I could have turned that profitable. Well, I call that an error, and when I have, like, a three-error, four-error day, I have to study poker for, like, two hours, and... Most of the time it's boring to me because a lot of these guys I want to scream at through the training video and go, that's fucking wrong. Like, you have never done the math. That is not right. But if he has one idea in two hours, it's worth it. You know what I mean? So I don't, you, you're not supposed to totally enjoy it, but you, you will start enjoying it the more you do and the more it communicates to your game. The more powerful you feel at the table, it starts kind of becoming like an intoxication because a lot of us are humans and we're not going to get that like we're not going to develop the nitrogen in our veins that Phil Ivey has so you have to get it through study and then there will be a day like you're playing with someone who used to be your idol and you're kicking his ass and you go oh that's what all the hours were for and uh, if we want to get really blowhardy about it Muhammad Ali said he hated every second of his training but he said I'm going to endure this now and be a legend forever and I mean Mm. there's there's something to that, but you can also make it fun. But like, I have my one my one of my best friends here is also pro, uh, is also one of my horses, and he, I make him come over to my house, and you know we uh, we crack open a couple beers. Mine are non alcoholic, of course, but uh, and we uh, you know we just watch training videos and we stop and we talk about it and we make it kind of a social thing. And we like we have fun and then we like play video games later you know it doesn't all have to be like hardcore studying and a lot of people don't even know how to study is the other thing Like it took me a long time to learn all the tools and all the ways to break down a bunch of hands and uh... i'm having a webinar that's going to come out i don't know i guess probably not before the series but my next webinar is going to be called how to coach yourself because there's a lot of coaches And I mean, a lot of my own coaching moves away from this. It's like, I have enough students now. I don't need you guys dependent on me. You know, I want to teach you how to fish as opposed to just handing you the fish for the day. And there's a, you know, there's a lot of that in poker coaching. There, like, do this with Ace King because I said so. Or like, here's why this Ace King rejam is profitable. And they say a few words and it sounds right and people move on and they don't really learn anything this is gonna be all about how you learn if an open is profitable, if how you learn if a rejam is profitable, a four bet is profitable, a C bet, a raise on a flop, how to use Flopzilla, ICM all that stuff. And yeah, you should be be it takes a while. You can do it. Uh you you know, I'm gonna to try to put that uh webinar together because it'll be fun for me to do and it'll help guys like you, but a lot of the guys like the Germans are killing poker right now. And, you know, I'm in touch with a lot of the German poker community. I lived in Regensburg when I was 19 years old for a little while. And, like, they're all about this, man. Like, ICM-izer, is izer it, it's important. i got to learn how to use it. And the same thing, Poland is, like, kicking ass now. And they all use this stuff. You know what I mean? They read every book they could. I remember hearing through mutual f- friends, like, yeah, Philip Grusheim, like, reads every poker book. Like, he just, he read this one, he read that one, you know, and it was all this stuff by Beluga Whale and CTS and all that stuff. And, you know, you get on every one of those things. And you've got to remember, every edge is worth potentially thousands of dollars. You know what I mean? Thousands of dollars. You've got to look at it like that. And uh, eventually you'll start getting giddy, and it'll become... Uh, it'll become pretty fun. Also, check out the article Finding the Spark on WPTMag.com. It's also about all this.
1: Yeah, cool. I think it's one of those things when I, again, when I used to play more, it was, I I, I think everybody does prefer playing, you know, rather than sitting crunching numbers or going through hands and oh, stuff for like sure. that. But when uh, you have played for like a few years online and i have had, you know, a couple of DMS's, this and that. And then I started studying, and like a couple of months later, I got like my biggest score ever. It's like yeah, you could say it's coincidence and whatever, but then over a big sample, I became a winning player, and that would never have happened if I didn't study and take a bit more time to go through you know ranges and stuff like that. I mean, it just wouldn't have, you know. So I think once you get once you get the results, it should motivate you further, Um, and especially if you love poker, I mean, really love poker, then studying is part of it, if you want to you want to become, you know, to the level he says he's semi-professional if he wants to actually become professional and play for a living then, I think he, especially this day and age, you just need to, there's no way around it, I think you need to put in a lot of hours you know, off the table sort of thing um, and uh, guys like you, you know, coaching and free stuff and that we give and it all helps, like you say it adds up to an edge that down the line, you know, just who knows what it's worth?
0: I mean, being able yeah. to make money anywhere on Earth is worth a yeah. lot. I mean, you know what I mean? What's that
1: worth? Yeah, yeah, that should that Same should motivate you.
0: Up. Yeah, <laughs> if you want to, I, I do have problems with motivation too, my man. So, uh, one of the books I'd recommend is it's called Relentless, and it's actually kind of like it, it, it's it's a book by an asshole. His name is Tim S. Grover, but he's also the he he's the trainer of. Uh, uh, Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant. And he also talks about those guys' work ethic and why they became that way. And one of the things he brought up about them is they studied more than anybody. Even these, like, physical specimens. Like, all they would... Like, Kobe Bryant's teammates used to bitch about all he ever wanted to do was watch game film. You know what I mean? And it's like, yeah. you kind of... Reading that book, you kind of get a idea of where those guys come from and how to, like, cultivate a love for it. And yeah, reading sports biographies is a really big deal.
1: Yeah, all that stuff helps, motivational, like audio tapes, and uh, the Andre Agassi book is great.
0: Yeah, that was interesting, uh, that was that was very know, trippy. I,
1: even like some, uh, you know, Richard Branson, guys like that, business leaders and stuff as well, all that It depends what sort of floats your But I imagine it's the same for musicians and stuff like that as well, if you read some you know, it all ties in in terms of motivation whatever the field is you know, you, got, you got to put your hours in um, well the next question is kind of completely different this sounds <laughs> a bit this sounds a bit DJNM um, it's anonymous uh, I've got his name but he's asked to remain anonymous um, I've built up in a living K bankroll over three years playing part time uh, I've come to the point where I kind of feel I just really want to take a big shot with it, advice
0: no, don't do it. Yeah, don't do uh. uh, I mean, this is something I learned with, I think it was like $300,000. Uh, a big bankroll is it, you should be protecting much more than a, a small bankroll. You can take shots with a small bankroll because you can replenish it very quickly. If you have a job and you can I mean and I don't know what what you do for a living maybe you you work in Monte Carlo and 11k could be What I'm, would you say, sorry sorry to interrupt that No just go ahead man
1: for the listeners and someone like yourself you know who's played who currently plays high stakes MTTs and things like that what would you say like definition – a small bankroll for just for them so we, a we're small bank a
0: small bankroll is anything you can put together I mean, it's however much money you can put together within like a month or two, because okay. if you have to take like more than three months to put together a bankroll, you're probably going to be out of the game. You know, you're probably going to give up at that point. This is why when uh Phil Ivey was coming up in poker, and a lot of people don't know this, he didn't. He was a losing player his first two years, and he barely broke even the third year. He was a. This is kind of hard to imagine because he's, uh, you know, such. Uh, he's not a very talkative person, but he was a telemarketer. And he would like, when he went broke, he'd work 16 hours a day to put together a couple thousand uh, so he could get back on the felt as soon as possible. And I think that hunger really served him well, because if he was out for maybe three months, maybe he would have been, you know, like, ah, shit, what am I doing with my life? We can't, I can't even keep the lights on in my house, you know? So you don't, it's whatever you can comfortably build up again in like a month or two. Now, if this 11K has taken you like a year to build and you blow it in some shot, you're probably never going to go pe- play poker again. You're probably going to be pissed. Or you're going to play with that accumulated tilt for the next 30 sessions, 40 sessions. And if you play like part-time, that could be the better part of the year. So what I'm always worried about when my players want to do this is – Losing a year of their career. They think 11K, okay, I got this money, you know, grinding up, and I didn't really know that much. It's not that much money, but I'm looking at a year of your life you might be losing here, trying to build up that 11K again. You should, though, take like 5% of your earnings each month and put it into a swing-for-the-fences bankroll, like a taking-shot bankroll. You can play Satellites of the Sunday Million, or you can play satellites to live events. You can play those one dollar rebuys. I got to my first uh, live event, uh, APPT Manila, when I was nineteen because I played up from like a, I was using that five percent from my bankroll and I played up from I think it was like a I think it was like a fifty dollar tournament that got me to the five thirty that I won the package for and then I got to you know travel to the other side of the world. You know, and it's like, and it, but I, and I won that tournament, I think, because, like, I wasn't risking anything. I was like, you know, it's my 5%. I'm going to have fun with it. And I got to take a lot of shots like that. You know what I mean? I played 100 rebuy. The first time I played 100 rebuy, it was with my, like, it was like 2006 or seven. It was, like, with my, like, party budget. And I almost made the final table. And then that bastard teammate took me out. But uh, it was, like. It, I, I didn't have any fear like going into that because like I was just, you know, I was taking a shot with just my 5%. And a lot of like investors talk about they do shoot for the moon with like 5% of the well And that'll kind of, you know, start giving you, uh, that'll start like giving you experience at it playing some high stakes or playing sats. And, you know, and you can kind of just take it as like something for fun. And that tends to like get the gamble out of a lot of people, you know what I mean? But you got to stick with the bread and butter bet. Man, I, I built up a huge bankroll, like, playing, like, my bread and butter games, just playing online, working all the time, enjoying what I did. And then I decided to swing for the fences, back every one of my friends because I felt guilty I was on and they weren't. And, you know, like, I paid for it with every dollar I had, like, literally every fucking dollar I had. And I got, you know, it, and, like, you know, it's fine. I, grew, I, I lived through that experience and I've learned from it, but, like, Man, it takes a long-ass time to build back, you know what I mean? In 11K, like, it took me a year to get from, like, $50 to 1000 And then it took, you know what I mean? Like, it probably was, like, a year and two months of work to get from $50 to $11,000 uh, when I was a kid. And if I lost that money, like, you know what I mean? I was, gonna- well, I got to take a shot again. I got to get it back. And I probably would not be here these days. You know what I mean? I had a lot of friends I came up with way more talented than me, man. Way more talented than me. We would go to home games and they could crack like a game they'd never heard of before they showed up at that door. And, like, they're not fucking here. They're gone. They're fucking gone. Because they just kept going broke. They kept getting pissed. They kept getting back in the game and then going broke again. Everything was do or die. They couldn't relax. They couldn't learn. And they never got in. They're gone. They're fucking gone. You know, and they were way more talented. And they were my friends. If I'm seeming passionate about this, it's because they were my friends, you know. And these are, mm-hmm. you couldn't do anything about it because it really becomes an addiction at that point. You know, so I'm a big stay-in-your-wheelhouse, bread-and-butter, small bets, man. And you want to do, fi- do 10% be really aggressive with your earnings? Fine. Work your ass off. Make, make some money the, that month. Make 3000 a month and $300. Get to play whatever you want. You know what I mean? Maybe you play a Sunday, uh, maybe you play like a Sunday Million, and you play a, a, a couple like three dollar rebuys to live events. You blow it all. Fine, fuck it. Work harder next month. You'll build up that bankroll. It's a slow, slow process. It's uh, you're trying to get better, a little better from every day before. You're not trying to take big strides. I don't know many guys that like really took big shots and made it. And if they did take a big shot and made it, they usually exited pretty quickly.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know how big a shot he's thinking about well, 11k, but I remember you saying to me when I got my first lesson with you and stuff, it's like, once you get to a 1000 or $2,000 as a separate bankroll, you really want to start treating that, you know, with respect in terms of... Because if you've got that and you're making and you're sitting playing within your role and moving up and down, you can grow that money into, you know, the sky's the limit sort of thing. I mean... You are an example you, everything you've got is from50 dollars online and stuff you know lumen and think that they say, and, and all these people so there's this thing I think when people see uh, young guys winning hundreds of thousands they think even like an amount I mean eleven thousand dollars in any country is yeah, it it's, a, it's a chunk of money. You know? And uh I hope he's not thinking about like sitting down and playing like, you know
0: <laughs> five can or yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> like that. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, or like a I've Super Tuesday.
1: Yeah. You know, I've seen people go on a friend of mine, a complete gen like built up, built up to, an absolutely amazing tournament player, especially live, just ridiculously good. And he built up, you know, in poker stars over a few weeks, months, like he got a couple of scores. 11 or 12,000, I think he had, and he literally lost it in a night playing PLO, you know, a night. Wow. And I was like, fuck. you know, that is sick. And then some people would say, "Ah, oh, yeah, but he wouldn't have got that money because that's the type of player it is. He gambles like that, so that's how he's won that in the first place. So I'm like, doesn't matter how you got it. Once you've got it, you protect it and look after it, you know. and I mean, like you said, you made a good point there for, like, a, he's wanting to take a big shot. I and mean, I think playing, like, if you want to take a huge, why don't you play one of the, if, if Vegas is a big deal to maybe this guy, or travelling to a big tournament, or the buzz he's chasing, like you say, why don't you play one of these like super satellites, you know $500, or with so many packages guaranteed, and take that as your shot, you know, if you get it then go and play the event, and you're playing for fucking millions then, you know right, if that's right. what you're sort of looking for but yeah, whatever you're thinking about doing, don't sit down with like you know, because it'll start, you'll lose your first few buy-ins, like Alex said, if you're playing, you know, 5-10 or 10-20. And before you know it, you'll be down to like $1,000 at the table and you you will feel sick. You will you will be, you know, if you've got, the, you'll either leave poker uh, or you'll email in saying like, oh, how do I start again from like $10 or
0: something yeah, like that. Yeah, that's that's really it's hard to like, do.
1: You know, and one, yeah. one
0: of the guys I came up with, like he's actually, I'm not going to say his name because you'll know it. And, I mean, there was a lot of people who came from that Seattle scene, but he uh, he made a ton of money, like, more than any of us, right? But he was, like, he was taking shots, man. He never had the money to – he didn't have the money to play those games, and, like, he would, like, hide from me because he knew I'd, like, give him shit about it. And then, like, uh you know, he made a ton of money, and he was like, well, you know, it's time to be a professional player. And he had these unhealthy expectations, and he admits it now, you know. He's a really – He's a really level dude, like one of the smartest dudes I know, but he admits that He was like, man, I had, you know, I had such a good shot, but I I, I, I want to be back there so bad, but I, I, like, I just thought, you know, every time I took a shot, it worked out for me, and that really, like, hurt his career, especially, and this is a guy a lot of people, uh, a lot of people look up to, you know, he, like, and he, uh, he's probably one of the bigger players from the Seattle scene, you know, and he... Uh, and like you know, he's doing well now, and he's doing great, and he's one of the kind of guys who could recover from that. But I, I you know, it kind of hurt for me to watch that because, I, yeah, once he had the money, it was like, all right, man, protect that, you know what I mean? But it, uh, it it, it didn't work out that way, and it's like it's really hard yeah. to watch it. So if you take shots, even one of the worst things that can happen to you is taking a shot and having work having it work out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you want to. Like, when I was 21 years old, I wanted a million dollars. It fucking killed me inside when I busted that EPT San Remo final table. Like, I got fucking lit up. I got so high after that. And it was like, because I just couldn't take the pain, man. I just couldn't take it. But I look back at that. Now, it's like a little kid, like, going, you know, Dad, I want candy. Dad, I want candy. Dad, I want candy. He thinks if he has candy all the time, he's going to be, he's going to love it. You know what I mean? It's going to be awesome, and he thinks the dad's being an asshole, you know what I mean, because he's not, he's not being given candy all the time, but the dad knows, like, man, you're not old enough to realize what that's doing to your body, and you're not old enough to realize what that's doing to your teeth, and you're not old enough to realize that needs to be in moderation, and it needs to be treated di- differently, you know what I mean? You don't have the discipline for any of that. Or like when a guy studies martial arts, it's like, teach me the kill moves, you know what I mean? I teach teach me the move so I can kill a motherfucker, you know, it's like, well, man, you that takes 10 years by the time You know how to use that you're gonna know how to never need it You know what I mean? That's what we're trying to build up here But if I just teach you the kill move you might get yourself in jail for the rest of your life Or if I just give you candy every day, you're gonna be a fat-ass kid by the end of this year You know and it's you gotta work up to it and you will get it if you cultivate that discipline You know what I mean? It always happens. I don't know a guy who puts in 60 hours a week, who works his ass off, studies every day in poker, who hasn't made, like, a pretty good living. Guys with a lot less talent than you can imagine make really good livings. But the most talented people I know who always take shots and all that shit, man, it's like, it's hard to find them after a while.
1: Yeah. And the the thing is that you said there is, I think it's a patience thing and with this day and age with everything. Nobody wants to wait five seconds.
0: Yeah, that's true, that's true. Man. It's like
1: people moan now that it takes three more than three minutes to download a film. Like a whole film. A, a Isn't movie, that bizarre you know?
0: man? Like yeah.
1: It's like it used to take four hours to download one MP three song. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, but, right. Or longer sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I remember that, and, man. Yeah, it's just like, you know, it's, I think $11,000, you know, who knows where that could be in, you know, five years if you build that up with proper button control management. You know, $11,000 if you're a winning player and that's growing and you're not taking money out. I mean, the sky's the limit anyway. You, you're taking a big shot with that in terms of, like, other people's lives don't have that chance. You know what I mean? It's yeah, like, yeah,
0: it's really true. It's who hard, knows where that's going to be. It's hard to quantify the potential for growth. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's really hard to quantify. And like I didn't understand that as a kid. I just knew if I failed at poker, like I didn't have anything else. And like everybody teased me about what a nit with my bank bankroll I was. Like when I when I became a professional poker player, they're all like, "Oh, you must be playing like one, two, two, four now, right? Or probably five, 10. I was like, "No, I I, I play sixteen dollars." Sid and goes. You know, and they were like, what? You know, back when I was, like, 18. And, like, I played, when I had thousands of dollars, I played, like, $5 Singoes. Because I could play them fearlessly like that. You know what I mean? I could build yeah. up. And a lot of people, a lot of people made fun of me, man. Like, a lot of people made fun of me and were like, dude, you know, what the hell, you know? But it was like, uh, it taught me discipline. It taught me work ethic. And it, that was more important. You had I had to cultivate love for putting the hours in. I had to cultivate love for... Like just being able to grind and being grateful to grind, you know what I mean. That's the yeah. it, that kind of the the, the horse I have. Uh, he's probably been the, he's been the most successful like Costa Rican uh, over the last year. Although of course it's easy to lose him because everybody else live, lives here. Grasquette, that was the one thing he was saying. Like he learned like playing at my house is he was like, you know, we always taught. Every time he got pissed off, it was like, yo man, we're in a <laughs> we're in a house playing online poker, eating pizza. Like, you know, it's all right. You know, we're going to yeah. live. You know what I mean? And then he had kind of a piss-poor attitude, right? But once he started, like, being real, you know, like, oh, man, I'm so grateful, you know, he started playing better. And then he had, you know, he took his, like, his shot. He was playing, like, $10 tournaments, right? The one shot I let him have every week with his, like, party budget was, like, the $50, what uh, whatever you call it, the b- bigger 55 on Sunday, right, and he uh, uh, he won that thing for like thirty k or something on a Sunday or forty thousand. It was like forty thousand dollars, right? Forty five, because he played it fearlessly because he had the money and he was appreciative. He busted everything else in his session, but he was like, "Well, I still get to play for forty thousand dollars, and I'm a Costa Rican kid hanging out, chilling, yeah. eating pizza." And he like, whereas before, I knew he would have been pissed off, and he probably would have blown off the tournament. So I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm saying something from. The deepest wells in my heart, man, don't take that shot, I promise you, it's just an addiction, it'll end bad. Remember all those <laughs> remember all those anti-drug campaigns you saw growing up, it's bad, man, you don't want to end up like that.
1: Yeah, I agree, I agree. So, there is one more question, uh, do you want to do that one now or do you want to save up go- for the next show?
0: Yeah, I'm good, man, let's keep going, I feel okay, good
1: let's do this last one then so we'll we'll go over a little bit on the time that we normally do so cool. hopefully hopefully people don't just switch off uh, <laughs> okay this one is from Nell I think it's Nell um what's any LL I don't know if it's Neil and he's type but you can't type his he's on them let's it's Nell it's Nell all right uh, What's your advice for dealing with stress and anxiety? I've read your blog for years, and you seem better at handling it these days. <laughs>
0: Thanks. <laughs> like, yeah, no, that's – yeah, man, if you read my blog when I was a kid, man, it was – well, I mean, uh, I don't I don't get to do drugs. I mean, that's the big thing. A lot of people smoke weed casually in the poker world. I don't get to be one of those people. I, I It's not one of those – It's not like I think it's bad. It's not I don't think it should be legal. I just, like, I don't get to be one of those people. And you know what? I don't get to drink either. You know what I mean? And it's like if you're a naturally stressful person, there's a lot of people like that. You know what I mean? You can't really be adding. You know, it's just like adding variance, and there's not really much of a payoff. You know what I mean? Like, for 30 minutes, you feel all right. The next day, you kind of feel out of sorts. You know what I mean? So, like, I tell a lot of my guys, I'm like, don't give up drinking, but, like, Man, if you're going to go out, have, like, a limit, you know what I mean? Have, like, I'm going to have a couple beers with the boys, not seven beers with the boys, you know what I mean? And working out, working out is a huge thing, man. Take all that stress and let it fuel you, man. Stress is fuel for the brain. When somebody told me that, it was like it opened up everything. And I was reading what the trainer of uh, Kobe Bryant and uh, Michael Jordan was talking about. He's like, People want, you know, they want people around them that don't stress them out. He's like, fuck that. I'm going to put you on in stressful situations because I want you to come out stronger. I want you in Stress is fuel for the brain. If you're feeling stressed, man, that's your body naturally telling you, hey, man, take my ass outside for a jog. You know, I need a little help, man. Or take your dog for a walk and breathe in some fresh air. Drink a lot more water. Drink less caffeine stuff like that that's your body telling you something and it's natural that stress is good for you i wouldn't be i'm an extremely i i take uh I, I had to go to an, a neurologist man because i i had to you know i had i had to get professional help it's not something i'm super proud of but I, i'm glad to talk about it now because it's still something a lot of people don't want to do i had to get professional help because of an anxiety disorder you know what i mean and, like, they gave me the medication. I was like, the anxiety is still here, but it's, not. It's like, manageable now. You know what I mean? But then I realized, man, I wouldn't have anything in my life if I wasn't anxious. You know what I mean? Like, anxiety propels you. You know what I mean? So you got to, if you stop going, like, why do I have this part of me? Why is this, you know, why is this bad? Or as Jared Tendler put it, he's like, I, I was talking about, like, man, I don't know how to, like, let go in some situations. And he's like, okay, so you're. You're asking yourself why it can't be, like, peace unto me. You know, I can't relax, mm-hmm. you know. And I was like, yeah, that does sound kind of ridiculous. You know, You know, if you have a dog, if you have a dog cooped up in the house all day, he's going to start getting anxious, you know what I mean? He's going to start, like, freaking out. He's going to start, like, eating his hair, you know what I mean? Yeah. A lot of people don't have respect for the human animal, you know what I mean? You are like you are a body you are a mammal man you got to take that stress out i was getting i was thinking about that uh i heard an interview with the the source right and for some reason that it kind of clicked in You know what I mean? Like, oh my God, I challenged the source to a fucking battle in Las Vegas. What is wrong with me, right? And I started getting super stressed the other day. I was like, dude, what if I bomb in front of all these fucking people? You know what I mean? And this is always... I've done this in front of like six people max. What the fuck are they going to do at the WCP? You know what I mean? And I was like, yo, man, take that stress, man. Deal with it. You know what I mean? So I like... You know, I I like pulled out my like papers and I like I, I set into my little MP3 player ve- slash voice recorder, like everything I've had like written down or like me and my friends have been playing around with. Right. I wrote down some new things, set it in there and like I went for a run. I played some real good music and I listened to that stuff back and I was like, OK, I'm going to keep this. I'm going to let go of this one. I don't know if I can remember that one in the moment because that's a really goofy ass scheme. You know what I mean? And then I was feeling really better because I was starting to memorize them. I was working towards something that was a goal, you know what I mean? And then, like, you know, and the sweat was coming, and I was like, damn, dude, I feel good right now. And, like, I was really thankful for that stress that it, become, it became really real to me. And stress is another sign that, you know, you're doing something in life. You've got to be thankful for that, man. You've got to be thankful for that. This satisfaction is what pushes man. You know what I mean? You don't want to have stress. Smoke weed all day. You know, do some heroin. Yeah. Start start railing heroin. Snort yeah. some coke lines. You'll have no stress. This is why I hate it when people are like, you want to be happy when you grow up. It's like, man, I know some drug addicts. They're happy all fucking day. You know, yeah. <laughs> they're not doing shit. You know, <laughs> you know, and then eventually everything is terrible. You want... That stress is like, man, I want some satisfaction that's your body asking for satisfaction that 's just like an inkling for ice cream, man. Your body is asking you for some satisfaction. you know, seize the day, man, it, achieve life through more life, put on some life. you know what I mean i don 't diet, but i stay uh i, I don 't diet, but I stay skinny because every time i 'm stressed, I go do some road work. I lift some kettlebells, you know what I mean i get you I get you know you put find some music it helps me like it gives me time to like listen to music i love take that on you know what i mean and you know take out uh alcohol alcohol stresses you out i used to smoke cigarettes all the time i had to take it out man the nicotine stressed me it sucked you know what i mean i didn't i didn't like it But it took it out. And I love caffeine, but I don't get to ignore the phone in the background. I have an answering machine, which, by the way, nobody in Costa Rica uses an answering machine. I don't know why. It's somehow much more socially acceptable here to call somebody's house three times in a row as opposed to leaving a damn 10-second message. But anyhow, uh, what was I saying? I can't even remember. Caffeine. Caffeine. Watch out on that caffeine, man, because that caffeine, especially if you're playing poker, man, I mean, in the words of Adam Carolla, he thought it was really funny Red Bull uh, supported extreme sports because he's like, I'm thinking about all the times in my life I n- might need a caffeine boost. Looking down a 70-foot half pipe probably isn't the one. Yeah. You know, it's probably, you know, like poker is kind of like a stressful thing, man. You know, you've got to drink a lot of water, only a little caffeine. And, uh, you know, there's some teas. I really like these herbal teas. I can't remember... You can find them. Go to any tea store and go, hey, man, what? show show me what relaxes nerves, man. And, like, if you keep your body, like, if you've got a bunch of other shit swimming in your body, this stuff doesn't work. But once I got sober, I'd start drinking this. I was like, man, I feel mellow, man. I feel good. Like, this is really good. You know, and you can tell it's not having an effect on you the next day. It's really, you know, and spend time with your family. That's the other thing family 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 this is why the mormons kick ass this is why the chinese kick ass this is why the jews kick ass this is why they put time in their families man they put it's family unit working on the family unit this is why the mormons have done so damn well in the united states man monday night is always family game night you know turn off the cell phone we're all coming together man and let's all, you know let's all let's all share some time together you know what i mean and that's why I mean you look at it read this book it's called The Triple Package they were talking about why is every new CEO in America a Mormon and why was our latest presidential candidate on the conservative side a Mormon well they don't drink they're not stressed out they just you know they don't drink they show up the next day they're clear minded for work they get 2 hours of extra work a day and they blow off steam with their families building connections feeling good anyways I've run on long enough yeah
1: yeah well we hope uh, now that Answers your question of uh, how Alex manages better now uh, with stress and anxiety. It's herbal teas. Uh, herbal, herbal
0: teas, tea. man. Clasp your hands, just like in the old days. What was the? Read this book. It's called Happiness Is a Serious Problem by Dennis Prager. One of my one of my favorite books. And Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. And uh, yeah, those are those are some pretty pretty nice books in that vein. Cool. Cool.
1: Okay, though. Well, that's another episode done. A few things. Don't forget to follow on Twitter at oneouter.com. That's at O-N-E-O-U-T-E-R-D-O-T-C-O-M. And join the Facebook group for free, facebook.com slash groups slash oneouter. Or just search on Facebook for oneouter and you should find it that way. Alex, when are you leaving for WSOP?
0: I don't get there until July. I leave. Oh, wait, no. I leave June 29th. I'll be there there June 30th. So we'll probably. We'll get get a couple
1: more in June. Yeah, we'll get a couple more in June. And then the last one in June before you go, we'll do like a sort of preview for the World Series thing for you, how you're going to go there and what your hopes and dreams are. Um, (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Another year, another 10K. Yeah, yeah, another year, another year, another
0: year, man. You know how it is.
1: Okay, so Alex, how can people get in touch with you for if they want one-to-one coaching or they want to pick up those uh, scoop videos again?
0: Check check me out at uh, at TheAssassinato on Twitter is my Twitter feed, but because people miss things on Twitter all the time, write me at coaching at gmail.com. Just say, Hey, put me on the mailing list and mail out new articles. I send out tons of articles. I write multiple articles a month. They're so good that other MTTers have threatened to kill me over them. So apparently, you should read them. I, I think that's a pretty good testament, wouldn't you agree? That, yeah. yeah. Physical harm threats from like five foot four kids. I must have got them really pissed off. But anyway, uh, at the Assassinato on Twitter, Facebook.com/slash-assassinato. Poker Head Rush is my blog where I where I write random shit. If you're and uh, the other writer on that page is the former public relations director of Nike, also a writer and also a former marathoner and the co-founder of Running Magazine. He writes really well. He's a he's an old dude. He's like sixty something, and he's like sixty eight or something. He looks like he's fifty. And then yeah. he's a yeah, and he writes incredible. And you know we do. That's kind of our fun side. We put out like movie reviews, book reviews, uh, you know, just talk about our lives. And we put like strategy articles that are too weird for magazines and stuff like that. But for those strategy articles, if you want to go through the back catalog, go to WPTMag.com and Bluff.com. And, uh, yeah, I've, I've had a weekly, I mean, a monthly Bluff column for like the last three years. There's a bunch on WPTMag.com. And go to Pocket Fives. Pocket Fives Training is where I do training videos. We have tons and tons of videos up there. And uh, on Pocket Fives, I have a bunch of articles. And uh, tell people about this podcast, man, because really we do this for you guys, and we want the exposure. You know what I mean? We need this to circulate around because the more people that get into, this, get into this, the more people get into our other stuff. And I'm fine with this being free for all. The only thing you have to do to pay me back, I don't care if you only listen to this, get free advice. I love answering your questions. I love answering your people. If you want to pay me back, tell one friend. That's all I ask. Or if you're over at their house, uh, like, favorite our page. or Can they subscribe on iTunes to our podcast? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just subscribe to their iTunes and don't even tell them. You know what I mean? And then if they ask you about it, just go listen to it. You know what I mean? And get it. Get people into it, you know what I mean we like to have a lot of fun with this, but we need to get it moved around a little and uh, if you want to reach me about those uh, if you want to reach me about those videos, the instructions are earlier in this podcast. I'm not going to take up any more of your people's fine time uh, your fine people's time but uh, yeah, write me at assassinatocoaching at gmail.com and I can send you the details again or send me a payment on any of the avenues, Assassinato Costa Rica on poker stars. And uh, if you want to check my screen names, you can check it on Pocket Fives to make sure you're sending it to the right one. Send me your payment confirmation, and I will send you 89 videos every single hand I played in Scoop for $50. And also, check out my webinar. You can also buy my webinar, Why Posagno Is Right?, it's about why you can raise fold from nine big blinds and why you can three bet fold from thirteen x. I have four hours of proof to see it. Not not one person who's watched it has not liked it. That is ninety nine dollars. You can write us at coaching at gmail.com. That is it. That is the ball game, Barry.
1: That is it. Well, until the next episode, uh, take care everyone. And and not, I think the guy was anonymous, wasn't he? Yeah, he was the, the a living case uh, big shot thing. Don't do it. That's <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, cheers. Cheers.